Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Mashmouth, covering the film that started it all. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Ethan. Ethan! (laughs) So, okay. Today, we're going to be finally covering, like I said, the film that started it all, M.A.S.H. From 1970, Baby, directed by Robert Altman. A groundbreaking film. Massive hit. Just too bad we did not like it at all. This is going to be a a weird episode. If you love this movie, let us know why. But this is going to be a fun one because we did not enjoy this one. (laughs) No, we didn't care for this at all, which was kind of upsetting. Um, I can't speak for you, Ethan, but I really didn't find much redeemable about this movie. And I said to you before we started recording, it was so crazy to me watching this film and hating it so much, but it birthed my favorite show ever. <laughs> yeah, that's gotta be that's gotta be a weird experience. That's not something that I can relate to. There's a, my favorite show isn't based on a movie. I don't have like other source material to refer back to. But man, it must be weird. I love Mash. Maybe not as much as you. I don't think many people love Mash as much as you do. Yeah. But <laughs> Mash is a show that I love and is very important to me. So seeing. This like weird alternate universe version of it where radar is the same, but nobody else is, and it's just kind of <laughs> dingy and gross. It's a very strange experience. And I said this to you, but I cannot believe they made this film into a sitcom. Nothing about this film, other than like the episodic structure of it, screams. Let's turn this into an episode of the week funny comedy. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if it was just me. And we'll get into it a little bit more. But I didn't think this was particularly funny in any way. And (laughs) I laughed maybe four times. Yeah, I'm and it wasn't just because of the outdated source material. Like we will get into it. But there was some like sexist stuff, racist stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And In context, sometimes that stuff can still be funny, even though it's outdated. But there was nothing humorous about anything that happened in this movie, I felt. And that it not even the comedy, quote unquote, saved the film for me. And it was so disappointing. It was so bitter. This was such a bitter and angry movie. I felt that this whole movie was just people yelling at other people in a very, like, malicious way. Like, there were comedy setups and moments, but I feel like it wasn't trying to be, like, a laugh riot. But apparently it was, because this movie was very successful. This movie was produced under a $3 million budget and made $81 million at the box office, which is the equivalent today of making over half a billion dollars. That's crazy! Yeah. Like, this movie was a blockbuster yeah it was a hit and it got mostly positive reviews like the only really critical things were you know kind of stuffy older people from that generation uh kind of ready for a hip cool movie like mash (laughs) they were more making a point of being angry about the criticism of people who were religious in the film and that was really the only criticism i saw of it the content wise everyone just loved it i don't know why (laughs) 
It was nominated for Best Picture. It won Best Screenplay. It launched the career of one Robert Altman, who is one of the most influential film directors of all time. He directed so many movies. He directed over 30 films. Uh, but I think the one that you might be most familiar with is Popeye, starring Robin Williams. Oh my gosh, did he direct that, really? Yes, he did. Oh my god, that's so funny. I love that movie. That movie's a goofball good time, and it got like horrible reviews when it first came out, but I'm just like, man, this is a, this is a wild ride. <laughs> I had no idea. Do you know anything else off the top of your head that he directed? Uh, I looked through his whole filmography, and I'll be honest, there was not a lot that like stuck out to me as something that I recognized. Mm-hmm. No, not really. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> He's kind of a name that you know, right. but not... MASH, I think, is his most famous film, like, weirdly. Yeah. This was definitely the one that, like, defined his early career. To use the language of another podcast, this was his, like, blank check movie where, like, mm-hmm. uh, he experienced massive success, and then after that, People just gave him money to be to recreate this, basically. They wanted another mash. And by all accounts, he kind of never succeeded in the exact same way. But okay. he was still just a massive influence on a lot of upcoming talent. Like Noah Baumbach, who did like Marriage Story and a bunch of other movies, is heavily influenced by him. Paul Thomas Anderson, who did There Will Be Blood and recently Licorice Pizza, heavily influenced by him. Just a lot of these like A1 filmmakers that are today, they'll uh, they'll point back and be like, Robert Altman's my man, dude. And kind of kind of weird, honestly, seeing this movie. I'm like, I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I think that I have to give it to Robert Altman, even though I didn't particularly care for this movie. I did think that. Because it's really like a vignette style movie, there is no overarching plot to it. I thought that he directed it really well in that sense of yeah. kind of making it a cohesive story, even though there was no cohesive story. So I do see how he kind of has pretty good directorial instincts. Yes. As far as I'm aware, before this, there wasn't too many films that had this kind of episodic vignette structure. Mm-hmm. That was kind of what broke the mold with this one. There's literally a Guardian article saying that Robert Altman with MASH reinvented the language of cinema, which, again, is kind of crazy. Because if you watch it today without that like historical context of knowing like, okay, there was nothing like this before this movie, you watch it and you're like, what is this? I don't even understand what they're trying to like do with this it's very Mm -hmm. strange and again if you're listening to this and you love this movie please let us know i would love to hear from you i would love to hear from the like glowing reviews of this film yeah i was even talking to um my mom about it because she calls herself a child of the 70s and 80s so she had seen the film and i told her i watched it And she said to me the same thing that I felt like, I don't know why this is funny. I don't think that it was charming in any way. Like nothing about it was as good as the show, in her opinion. Also my opinion. (laughs) Maybe it was like a film bro thing back in the 70s. Who knows? Who who knows? (laughs) 
Maybe. Maybe. There's a lot of movies like that where you're like, I haven't seen anything like this before. That must mean it's fantastic. And then you watch <laughs> it now and you're like, well, I've seen things that did this better. Like a sitcom <laughs> that did this better, which is crazy. It is crazy. So... Instead of just relentlessly kind of dogpiling on this movie, was there anything that you liked about it? As much as I have just spent the last 10 minutes kind of shitting on this movie, I got more respect for it when I started researching it a little bit um, because I had done some research prior, but I refreshed myself when we were watching this. And I learned that the screenwriter, Ring Lardner Jr., was part of the original Hollywood 10 of the McCarthy era who refused to testify in front of Congress uh, about his like un-American activities and whatnot and communism and stuff. He was part of the original group of those people and he had been blacklisted for years and he was the one who wrote this screenplay and I thought that that was really cool. And also the script was rejected by 15 directors before Altman got to it. So I thought that was actually really, really cool. Like, for all intents and purposes, this movie should not have been made. (laughs) And it was. And I think that was awesome. Yeah, that's rad. Especially because this movie opens with a quote from uh, Senator McCarthy at the Mm -hmm. time. And it's supposed to be kind of ironic. Yeah, that gives that quote, I feel, so much more meaning. Knowing that about um, Lardner Jr., I just, I, I really liked that. You you know me. I'm I'm kind of a history buff, and I really enjoyed that. And you love anytime anybody talks back to Senator McCarthy, <laughs> history's greatest monster. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything off the top that you really enjoyed from this film? Okay. So as much as I dislike this movie as well, I do have to give credit. Uh, I think this is a beautiful looking movie. Uh, it's not one that immediately jumps out as something with like really handsome cinematography with these like nice vistas. But I love how dingy this movie looks on purpose. This movie looks like run down and like awful. It makes you feel gross. And that's exactly what they're going for. I thought it was like really well done. Uh, especially when they're in surgery scenes. I really loved the kind of visceral griminess of those, which is how bloody everyone is. And it wasn't like exploitative. It was just showing it kind of without commenting on it. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I did like Sally Kellerman's performance as Margaret Houlihan a lot. Uh, They put her through the ringer in this. Way more mm-hmm. than TV show Margaret is. And yeah. she breaks down at one point, And I thought her breakdown was fantastic. I thought that was a great breakdown, crying performance. And every other character in this movie gave her nothing. And it was very much intentional. It wasn't like accidental sexism. It was commenting on the sexism. And I thought that was pretty good. But otherwise, I just couldn't see everyone else as the characters they were. I legit kept forgetting who Trapper was and who Hawkeye <laughs> was. I was like, these aren't my guys. These aren't Alan Alda. I don't, I don't know these people. No, I definitely understand. And kind of going back to 
your point about how the movie looked. I really liked that it felt really familiar from the show. Um, Everything from like the swamp to the mess tent to the OR, everything felt super familiar. And that was honestly kind of a saving grace (laughs) to me. But you're right. I will get into this a little bit later, but the characters just weren't great in this. I just felt like they were kind of shells of what I've known them to be always from like Alan Alda and Wayne Rogers and whatnot. So I definitely agree with you on that one. Of course, in a vacuum, this film doesn't have to deal with it. But given that this film produced a very famous sitcom where these characters would be explored very heavily and very in-depthly, where actors like Alan Alda and McLean Stevenson and, you know, everybody else kind of inhabited these roles so very well. It's very strange to see these characters portrayed by anyone else and given very different personalities than they have in the show. Like, Henry is insane to me. Like, that man is just simply (laughs) not Henry. Everyone else, I can kind of be like, okay, so this is movie Hawkeye, this is movie Trapper. They're different guys. But, like, Henry is just a guy who's named Henry. Like, that's not the same character. No, for sure. And like Henry, I feel in this movie kind of also didn't have control over anybody, but also he was not really even trying. I no, feel like he was not. <laughs> I feel like show Henry was definitely more like a goofball and he was just like, oh, well, you know what? What can I do? I- I'm trying my best here. But sh- movie Henry, I'm sorry, was just so like yeah do what you need to do i'm just one mm-hmm. of the guys too so mm, bye <laughs> show henry has fatherly energy he's kind of the dad mm-hmm. of the camp and movie henry is like literally just another 30 year old like whatever idiot when margaret comes into his tent to like scream and cry over over the camp showing her naked in the shower he's in bed with a woman and being like <laughs> Well, what do you want me to do about it? I don't know. Yeah, if you want to transfer, then transfer. Bye. <laughs> yeah, put in your transfer notice. I don't care. TV show Henry's such like a better guy than this. It was yeah. so bizarre. What did you think of all the movie characters versus their TV show characters? So we, of course, had this introduction of the character Duke, who was more or less useless in the whole scheme of things like he and trapper were essential well honestly duke trapper and hawkeye were essentially all the same character in three different people and i think along the lines of portrayal in the show first of all margaret's character was supposed to be really annoying and whatnot and she kind of just wasn't you know like there was no reason for them to be as mean to her as she was or as they was a woman vanessa a woman with ideas and uh... (laughs) (laughs) honestly though in the show margaret is kind of insufferable in certain ways she's like hypocritical especially in the earlier seasons and she is very much like tight-knit and by the book or tries to be by the book and whatnot but in this movie i guess because you know you can only do so much in two hours but (laughs) she sat down with hawkeye and said you know oh major burn seems fine and i don't know why you let the enlisted men call you hawkeye that doesn't seem very like 
army regulated. And Hawkeye's like, I was gonna fuck you, but now I'm not. <laughs> Vanessa, coming out strong. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just, like, blew my mind, honestly, because even though I do have problems with how Margaret is portrayed in the show, just because by nature of, like, not writing self-actualized characters in the 1970s in general, especially not women, this just seemed really weird to me. Like, I just, I didn't understand. Because you were... <laughs> You were not supposed to like Hawkeye and Trapper and whatnot. Like, they weren't good guys. They were bad guys. Like, that was the point. And it was the same thing with Frank. Like, Frank is such an important and defined character in the sitcom. And everything they do to Frank is deserved, more or less. Mm -hmm. Uh because he is just kind of so uptight and so money hungry, or not money hungry, but also money hungry, but power hungry, mm-hmm. and just this guy who needs to be taken down a peg. And the only thing he does wrong in the movie, other than make a kid cry like later on, is that he's religious and prays at his <laughs> bedside. Like, oh no, how dare he! <laughs> Yeah, you can definitely see the sprinkling of the idea that Frank is a jerk. Frank is played by Robert Duvall, which that is also just blew my mind and is crazy to me. Yeah, I can't even wrap my head around that one. My issue with Frank as well was you could see why Frank was a jerk and why they'd want to get rid of him and stuff like that with like the religious hypocrisy of him being religious originally and then kind of kissing Margaret and having an affair with her and also blaming the kid for this patient dying when the kid didn't do anything. But ultimately, it just didn't feel as like egregious as TV show Frank and it didn't feel as necessary to get rid of him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, again, before all the Margaret and making the kid cry stuff, I get it, they're commenting on religion and military, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying that that's bad or being religious is inherently good or being anti-religious is inherently bad. But the thing that he does that that puts him on Hawkeye and Trapper, like, radar of we have to torture this guy, is just praying at his bed for everyone to be safe. And I get that it's commentary, but compared to TV show Frank, where, like, that guy is just a jerk and an idiot. <laughs> it's like, man, oh man, this guy is just like a pretty average kind of scummy guy and very much doesn't deserve the kind of torment that he does get. And it's weird that he leaves like an hour into this movie. Frank is such an important character in the TV show. And movie Frank is like in half of it. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's gone within the first like forty five minutes. It's it's honestly kind of insane. Yeah, it it was uh definitely different. That's uh that's what I'll put on that. <laughs> Were you at all familiar with any of these actors other than Robert Duvall? Do you have any familiarity with uh Donald Sutherland or Elliot Gould or anybody like that? Yes. Yeah, so Donald Sutherland, I know. It sounded like I was going to say I know him personally, but I don't, unfortunately, (laughs) even though he seems like a cool guy. But I know Donald Sutherland's son, Kiefer Sutherland's work a little bit more. But for any of us Gen Z out there, Donald Sutherland played President Snow in The Hunger Games. And I feel like that's where a lot of young people would know him from. I know him uh, from his character in A Time to Kill, which is one of my absolute favorite movies. And... 
I knew Robert Duvall, obviously, from The Godfather, Sling Blade, and To Kill a Mockingbird. And also, I learned that Elliot Gould played Kim Possible's dad in what? Kim Possible. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. I know Elliot Gould because he's in the Ocean's Eleven trilogy. I had no idea he played Kim Possible's dad. Yeah, That's he voices Kim Possible's dad. <laughs> I <laughs> love <Mr>. that. Mr. Possible. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, that's great. Yeah, when I found that out, I just, I kind of lost it. <laughs> it was it was really funny. I'm not super familiar with Donald Sutherland. I know Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland is one of those guys where you're like, oh my God, he's famous because he has a famous dad who like work connections for him. I just thought he was like a regular actor. It's the same <laughs> thing with uh, finding out Michael Douglas's dad was also famous. You're like... How many people are in Hollywood because of nepotism? It's, <laughs> it's so weird, but I'm not super familiar with him. And honestly, I know this movie was a lot of people's big break, but none of them really did a lot for me. Like, they weren't giving, like, good performances. They were just kind of there, hanging out. It was very naturalistic, which I guess is good in some degrees, because it does feel like these guys are just kind of being themselves, which is cool. But no, nobody stood out to me as an actor within this film, other than Sally Kellerman with her big breakdown. Yeah, no, I agree. I just like, I think that this was a product of just kind of me not enjoying the movie and it being a little bit older. So there were maybe different standards, but everything seemed really flat. There didn't seem to be any like real chemistry between anyone. Like the three main characters, Hawkeye, yeah. Trapper, and Duke, it just, like I said before, they didn't have any of the charm that they had in the show. And I don't know, I just didn't really care for any of the characters. They didn't do anything for me, essentially. Yeah. Although, we did still have uh, Mr. Gary Berghoff as Radar. Yes! Which is so fun that he's the one holdover, because he's the one guy who's like, just radar in this radar is the same character through and through no matter what like the first joke of the movie is that he predicts what henry's trying to say exactly mm -hmm. like he does in the tv show and yeah. it was so fun to see him here because he's a little bit younger he's a little bit thinner and it was like hey it's my boy radar how you doing buddy you're surrounded <laughs> by people who are not your normal friends <laughs> yeah it was it was nice to see radar in like all of his radarism and it was mm -hmm. funny to see him in the movie rather than the show it it was definitely the same character but it was so completely different that it was like what are you doing here my guy did you know by the way that he was charlie brown in the charlie brown broadway musical you're a good man charlie brown who radar uh gary Berghoff. No, you're lying. I'm you not serious? lying. Doesn't that make perfect sense? Isn't he a Wait great a Charlie Brown? He is like a great Charlie <laughs> Brown. Wait, I'm actually looking this up. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> oh my god, I'm dying here. Doesn't wow. that make perfect sense? We've never mentioned that before, but he's got big Charlie Brown energy. He does. Oh my god, I'm not going to be able to see him in anything else now. And he's he's uh Gary Berghoff was a shorter man, so that like that tracks. I love that. That's amazing. So one thing that I wanted to mention about this film was the how different the commentary of it was 
from the show. The commentary seemed to be so lacking and there was so much of it in the sitcom. And I really feel like this movie worked so well because of the time period that it was in. Because it, yes, it was like set in Korea, but this was at the height of the Vietnam War, much like the show was. And I really feel like it benefited so much from a very um, anti-war, anti-censorship kind of sentiment that the public had. Because this was not really super anti-war. It was more like anti-authority, which definitely was a holdover from the 1960s where everyone kind of like rebelled against authority. So yeah, I really feel like this had no commentary, essentially. Very, very, very little commentary on really anything of substance in my mind. I'm gonna disagree with you on that because I do feel like this is maybe not as explicitly as the show would go on to do with various episodes, but I feel like this was trying to say a lot about war being like pointless and just having this kind of jaded nihilistic sense of everyone's stupid. Look at these army guys being like sexist idiots uh maybe that's like me reading it from a 21st century perspective where their behavior is very much not good so showing these guys just kind of absolute kind of pieces of trash people i felt like that was commentary of like the people enlisted in the army at this moment in time like drafted were not all good people they did not all fight the good fight they were there and they were scummy and the gross and they did bad things to each other and they behaved like horribly. And I felt like that was commentary in itself that like this is a pointless war run by people who didn't want to be there. And it had a much more nihilistic and bitter edge than the TV show does where the TV show comments on this but has a kind of like we can be better than this kind of sentimentality to it where Hawkeye wants to rise above everything but in this it was like everything is bad and it will always be bad yeah I definitely see what you mean I really didn't get that when watching this it felt very at least to me like I, I definitely understand what you mean I feel like that's such a charitable read of the movie maybe and what it was because trying to I do. watched it twice in the last 24 <laughs> hours <laughs> No, you're right. And honestly, I would be curious to do a little bit more research and see if maybe Robert Altman or Lardner Jr., if either one of them kind of wanted to like have an anti-war commentary I'm or if sure they wanted they to make like more of a movie that was like, hey, look at these ridiculous men. <laughs> I'm going to give them like the absolute benefit of the doubt. This was a very well-respected Best Picture nominated movie. I'm sure they had themes into it. They weren't just like, we're going to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what happens. I think that is also a product of this being from a book. Oh, right. I keep forgetting this is a book also. <laughs> yeah, and it's based on the um, on the author's lived experiences, I'm pretty sure, in the Korean War. So I feel like those themes were definitely there through the book. It was just less, I feel, of a pointed commentary than the show. I feel they were a little bit more maybe gory in the movie and sexually explicit because they could be. And I feel like that was definitely a sign of the times of 
when films were kind of taking more of those risks, like you saw it more break out in the 60s, but more so in the 70s and 80s. And I do respect the movie for not being afraid to be like, hey, people actually have sex and, you know, it's the army's not all hunky-dory and stuff like that. That was uh, one thing that stuck out to me right at the very beginning is that it opens very much the same way that the TV show does, like with the helicopters flying in, bringing bodies for the doctors to operate on. But unlike the TV show, you actually see the bodies lying there on the helicopter, like, and you can see how bloody they already are and how, like, kind of mangled everyone is. And that's something that's not present in the TV show. Mm-hmm. The TV show does depict blood and viscera, but not in this way, especially mm-hmm. right at the opening. Yeah, definitely. And I did appreciate that. It just seemed gory in a way that was very real, much like the show did. Yeah, I liked that, definitely. Can we also talk about how this movie uses the same theme song, but this time with lyrics? And <laughs> yes. we talked about this in our first episode of Mashmouth that the lyrics of the theme song were written by a 14-year-old trying to write the dumbest song in the world. But man... <laughs> hearing the song with lyrics again is so strange this song does not have lyrics in my mind and having the lyrics be very much dumb and weird it's just like so bizarre for me can i tell you one quick story because when i was about 13 or 14 when i was like really into mash so maybe i was like 12 to 14 i would say I would write <laughs> Suicide is Painless like on my notebooks and stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> my parents and my grandmother was like, you need to stop this. Not everyone's going to know that it's from your stupid TV show that you like. People are going <laughs> to get concerned. And I would just write the lyrics to Suicide is Painless all over stuff. <laughs> and... <laughs> I it's just it's honestly crazy how I was not committed truly (laughs) that that is so funny I love that (laughs) as much as I said that I dislike hearing the lyrics of the theme song because I just think the instrumental is so good that Mm -hmm. uh, it's weird to hear a guy sing to it when I finished watching this movie and I was like making breakfast before he started to record I did kind of hum to myself, like, suicide is... So I, I do get it. It's like a weird earworm where you're like, I don't want to say these things, but here I am singing them kind of absentmindedly. I still find it goes through my head sometimes, and it's it's very funny, and it always brings a smile to my face because I think of, you know, middle school Vanessa just being such an edgelord. <laughs> so... I had a couple of parts of this movie that I did enjoy and that stuck out to me. Overall, I think I noticed so much of the influence of this movie on the first season. Mm-hmm. Like the the small plot lines of, I think it was Trapper punching Frank when Hawkeye punched Frank. That's something we have, sorry to derail you, that's something we haven't mentioned yet, that Trapper is much more of the main character in this movie versus Hawkeye being the main character. I don't know if I'd say that. No, that I, I looked it up. Uh, that's something that was consciously changed for the show, that Hawkeye was more of the POV character versus Trapper. Trapper has a lot more to do than Hawkeye in this movie. And maybe that's why the actor who played Trapper, like, 
leaves the show at some point because like maybe he was under the assumption that Trapper <laughs> would be more of the main guy versus yeah, but what Hawkeye I don't would even become. think that I don't even think I mean maybe that like I I don't deny that that was probably their intention but I didn't even feel like that was the case like it was very much equal footing in my mind so maybe that was an execution thing but Trapper I, is made chief surgeon in this when Hawkeye yeah. in the series is and I think that's the major diversion point of Hawkeye becoming more of the main character in the show versus this. Where you're right, it is kind of every character in it is so depicted without a lot of, uh, you know, not a lot of drama happens in this. So it's hard mm-hmm. to say there is a main character. But Trapper is definitely more of the guy who's supposed to be leading the group. And Hawkeye is more of the like sidekick like you said, it's a little bit more shaky and a little bit uh, less defined, but it is there, and it's something that I yeah, think is I just strange. like I just definitely didn't see that. Like I, uh, that must have been an execution thing. Maybe I wasn't looking at it because I just have always known Hawkeye to be kind of the leader, like the main character. But yeah, I, I really just, I just didn't see it. I, I just thought that they were more or less just besides duke who was in it a little bit less than hawkeye and trapper doesn't exist in the show yeah um i thought that hawkeye and trapper were definitely on more equal footing but yes the storylines from season one were for sure influenced by this movie and i thought that that was really cool to see did you notice that they stole blood in this movie i (laughs) full caps commented that in my little notes uh that they stole i think it was Hawkeye's blood like uh I'm not it sure was, uh, it was Henry's blood it was Henry's okay yeah they're both guys with glasses so I got confused I am <laughs> you know that face blind <laughs> but yeah they stole blood they like we said in one episode uh they record Frank and Margaret having an intimate moment and broadcast to the camp in the tv show it's much more pg uh there's a lot of season one storylines in this and it's kind of so bizarre because this movie is such a different tone than the TV show does. And the storylines are so much more fleshed out in the TV show that it's kind of funny to see them do them in like a montage. Yeah, definitely. Even things like when they had the party for Trapper when he was named Chief Surgeon, there was the offhanded comment that Henry couldn't get in touch with one of the generals because he was at a football game and it reminded me of the army Navy game. It it, it was just, it was so, if there was anything I really liked about this movie, it was seeing the things that kind of translated over into season one storylines. I really enjoyed that. Some of the vignettes were bizarre though. Completely don't hold up in the light of modern day, <laughs> where there's a whole subplot of like a guy who thinks he's gay because he had like a bad date with a girl, and they put on like a whole Last Supper ritual to convince him that he's actually straight, and it's bizarre. Uh, the funny part of that was that they get one of the nurses to like spend the night with him when he thinks he's dead and the way that they have the camera outside of the tent and just this choir screaming the suicide (laughs) is painless like theme music was so insane that broke through me and it was like this is incredible (laughs) that was so strange because the dentist of the camp 
basically you know thought he was like impotent or whatever the case was and then he thought he was gay because of that it was just such a weird weird thing and the i really liked the last supper kind of that imagery was very that well was shot. part of my that was definitely one of the best parts of the movie for me and apparently a lot of people didn't like that because of the like sacrilege of it but also other people really did like it. So I saw really mixed reviews about mm-hmm. that scene and I thought it was really well done. Yeah, like I'm not saying that it, this is like the worst part of the movie. I'm just saying that it was bizarre. Like this it whole was strange was for like, sure. what are we doing here? One other scene that I really did like was when Hawkeye and Trapper were, I think they were in like, maybe it was Japan, maybe yeah. it was Seoul or something like that. It was Japan. And they... They wanted to operate on a baby, and it was apparently a very, like, simple procedure and whatnot, and this colonel who was in charge of the outfit in Japan basically burst in and was like, you can't use army supplies to operate on a local or whatever the whatever the term he used was, and Hawkeye and Trapper drugged this guy and then kind of blackmailed him with pictures of him and a prostitute, and they... I felt like that was such show Hawkeye and Trapper-esque of, like, doing the right thing of performing a surgery on this baby who needed it, but doing it in a way that, like, was so bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was probably my favorite part of the movie. Full stop. I liked this bit a lot. There were some problematic elements, like, when they uh, enter Japan and they're, like, saying gibberish and, like, imitating Japanese for, like, no reason. They're just suddenly racist now. I uh, don't know why. I but... did not pick up on that at all. Oh, my oh gosh, yeah. I guess they, I must they, have... uh, if you watch it with subtitles, when they enter Japan, the subtitles were just like in brackets imitating Japanese for like two minutes when they entered the country. And the guy driving the Jeep was like, the armies, like these guys, like I hate these guys. Mm-hmm. That was like, I think, intentional commentary on like soldiers being bad. But like, as someone who knows these guys as, like, the heroes of the show and movie, it's, like, weird that they're suddenly racist for, like, a scene. But anyway, this whole bit with them, like, actually being doctors and, like, performing surgery on this one soldier and then this baby was very much how they're depicted in the TV show. Just mm-hmm. a little bit more risque. I don't think the the show would take pictures of a man with a prostitute but like whatever i don't know in the show they did set up uh this guy to like attack margaret remember that right oh god but (laughs) uh you know that was them at their worst moments this is kind of them at their best uh, in movie form but i i like this bit a lot this was definitely i liked seeing them be good doctors and this was their Mm -hmm. bit of being good doctors for the movie that they weren't, you know, falling orders exactly, but they were consciously trying to do the right thing. And that yeah. was definitely the the highlight of the film for me. I, I quite liked it. Even afterward, when this guy is like reprimanding them and Trapper's just like playing golf uh, mm-hmm. in his like office. Uh, he's saying like, well, I'm going to send you down the river for this, blah, blah. And Trapper's just like, listen, man. I operated on a kid, I operated on another kid, and you can, uh, I'm gonna tell my story and you'll tell yours and we'll see who comes out on top. And that seemed very 
trapper slash Hawkeye to me. Again, that's kind of a that's kind of Hawkeye being more sidekick because I feel like in the TV mm-hmm. show that would be Hawkeye saying that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Otherwise, there weren't a ton of episodes that like stuck out to me, and by episodes I mean like scenes. Like everything else was just kind of happening. Uh, like how Frank leaves is very similar to TV show, and it was kind of fun. A little bit in like a very weird way to see the actual origin of the nickname Hot Lips because in the TV show they just always call her that without like context and I just assumed it was like that she had like a hot mouth but you know in the (laughs) in the movie it is like more of a derisive nickname which isn't great but it was kind of fun to see the origin of all these bits that carry over to the show that the show kind of assumed that we already know. Yeah, definitely. I really liked that. And oh, it, that's along the same lines of Radar kind of being Radar. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, yeah, I thought that those little things that you could pick up on if you watch the show and the movie were the highlights of the movie to me, yeah. for sure. I know that I liked the football scene a little bit more than you did. Um, I, I very I just, much did not like the football scene. I kind of liked it just because I liked the sense of camaraderie that you got from the football scene, from the football game, I should say, because it was kind of the first time that everyone was playing nice, essentially. I mean, there was like a little bit of just like racism (laughs) in that scene as well of like, there was a racist name that was called to one of the black players. And then also, I think it was Duke. He was he said to Hawkeye and Trapper, like, oh, you're, you basically, I don't want to sleep in the same tent as a black person and stuff like that. Which, to be mildly fair, it was the 50s. It's intentional. Yeah, and Duke was supposed to be, like, from the South and yeah. whatnot. So, not that it excuses that in any way, but it's also, like, okay, like, this is just, this guy's just an asshole. Sure, we get it. But, uh, yeah, I liked the football scene because it was the probably like least egregious scene out of all of it just because i also liked how everyone was just kind of together and rallying around this one thing margaret's character was very much like into it the the nurses were like cheerleaders it was really cute yeah i thought it was well done this scene i disliked it immensely i just couldn't get into (laughs) it i just don't like sports in ge- you're more of a sports person than I am, like a little mm. bit. You like baseball and whatnot. And I just couldn't follow what was actually happening in the game. For me, it was more of a, a structural thing where I'm like, why is this movie about the army suddenly a football movie? Like in the last <laughs> 20 minutes, I don't understand it. But I feel like it went on so long too. I feel like the entire last half long. hour of this film was just suddenly a movie about a football game. I was like, why? Why? (laughs) In the book, because I read the book once when I was younger for a book report, again, in my middle school phase of writing Suicide is Painless on everything. We'll We'll have to cover the book at some point. We'll definitely be covering the book. But in the book, the one scene I do remember the most was the football scene, and maybe that's why I liked this scene so much. But yeah, I, I know that I liked it more than you, but I just also felt like after everything that had happened also, because we were kind of, not really, but we were coming off of the shower scene with Margaret, and that just I, that just put a bad taste in Which, my mouth. By the way, 
is like the most iconic thing in this movie. I know. Whenever people show clips of this movie, it's always that scene. And I'm like, that's not great, dude. This is not like the highlight of the film. Uh, other than like, oh, you get to see a girl naked for a second. Like, that's <laughs> like, no. What do you think the probably like most dated scene in the movie was? It's a real toss up between the shower scene and the we're going to prove you're not gay uh, sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I have to talk about the treatment of women in general in this film was just really, really dated and really bad, even when it, I don't even think it was meaning to be. It's just like when men are together, like that's how they treated women, essentially, like that is what the film was doing. And I just really hated how every single time there was a scene with a woman in it, she was immediately like spoken to in a very crude way or just objectified entirely and it was just it wasn't great but also you know what what do you expect at this point <laughs> yeah i mean this movie i feel was trying to say something by doing that it wasn't like doing it because they thought it would be funny see i disagree with that i think they were commenting on the sexism of it i think that it was played up for la like the sexism part was played up for laughs i don't have really anything to back it up except my own like view of the movie but i don't think it was a commentary on men in the army being sexist i think that it was just like isn't this funny men are sexist wink wink nudge nudge you know and i was like i said i was talking to my mom about this movie and she was saying how this was just the way that women were portrayed in a lot of movies back then yeah that's true um, this kind of uh i think this came before animal house but this is mm -hmm. definitely like animal house on a military base if Animal House was, like, an Oscar winner. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm not defending it at all. Like, I don't think it's right. Again, these are the most dated elements of the mm -hmm. movie. But I feel like there was kind of some intention there. But I fully understand what you're saying with it just being kind of how things are and how things were. Very much not good. I really, I did feel very bad for Margaret in this film. Yeah. She is just absolutely, like, never given anything from anyone. And it, it feels horrible. <laughs> yeah, and again, like, I definitely, I think that maybe they were trying to make commentary on sexism in general. But I just didn't like the movie, so that's just not how it came across to me. I can definitely see someone in the 70s audience after she has a breakdown, after being seen in the shower, running to Henry and her crying, and him just being like, oh, whatever, darling. Uh, people, like, losing their minds laughing at that. Mm-hmm. Sucks, but, you know, we're better. We're a little bit better now, a at least. A little bit. Slightly. <laughs> and the show, the the show righted a lot of those wrongs, too, which, again, is why I, I prefer the show, definitely. <laughs> Because they had feminist King Alan Alda on staff to... <laughs> to to right all the sexist wrongs. <laughs> so moving away from that now, moving into something a bit lighter as we begin to wrap up our discussion here. Since this movie, I think, is kind of weird that they turned it into a sitcom, I want to ask you if there's any other films like high-end kind of adult dramas that you would turn into a more hijinksy 
CBS style sitcom like they did with MASH. Okay, so this is the only thing that came to like the top of my head. I'm sure if I thought about it a little bit longer, maybe there would be something that would kind of translate <laughs> better into a sitcom. But I watched recently uh, The Power of the Dog, <laughs> and I think that that would be so funny to see as like a sitcom. <laughs> Um, just guys working barring any of like the problematic aspects of the movie but like how funny would it be to turn that really dramatic movie into a CBS or NBC style sitcom (laughs) that would be incredible I think I still haven't seen that movie I'm gonna be real I've been meaning to just haven't but I know that movie is very like austere and very like self-important so it would be so funny to see that movie turned into like, oh, we got to round up the, the cattle this week or whatever you do on a ranch sitcom every week for cowboys. <laughs> that would be so funny. Basically, I need you to watch this movie now I just know. so that I you can think of it as a sitcom. No, 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 no. Not even, not even to enjoy it because I don't think you'll enjoy it that much. But <laughs> because I need you to think of this as a sitcom because it's so funny if you've seen it. <laughs> I, I will. I, I'm going to. Um, for me, I think a movie from last year, well, two years ago now, technically, uh, Nomadland would be really <laughs> funny if it was this level of success, if it got half a billion dollars at the box office for some reason, and then turned into like a sitcom with a different cast. I think that would be so funny to live in that timeline. And it would make sense as a sitcom too, because you could have her travel to different locations and meet different mm-hmm. wacky characters every episode. It's also a very episodic movie. So it would translate in a similar way, and I think would work very well. And I'm not talking like an FX drama. I'm talking an NBC, CBS, funny sitcom. I want that Laugh track very sitcom. badly. Give me that. <laughs> yeah, no. May- hey, listen. Maybe in a few years, we can make it. We maybe can do it. <laughs> with our, our VOB development fund. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you just before we really wrap up, what did you think about the ending? Because to me, and I think I texted you this, but the ending scene, the last 30 seconds was like my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. And like that sounds maybe worse than it is, but the ending is kind of cool. First of all, it's crazy that these characters in the sitcom are there for 11 seasons when these guys are there stated canonically to be five months and then they're Mm -hmm. just called to go home at the end. And that's wild to me that these guys in another dimension, let's say, will be there for so long and go through so much. And the ending of that show is literally the highest rated thing on television because people wanted to see them go home And this film just ends with, all right, well, we're going home now. And it's not anything built up to. It just happens and it's sudden Mm -hmm. and then they're gone. Yeah, I thought that it was one of the pieces that I think was good about the movie. It was very quick, but I forget who it was. I think it was Duke. He was still in the operating room 
when Hawkeye comes in and says, Henry's got our orders to go home. And Duke is kind of like, you can tell he is excited because he has this flash, this moment of getting off the plane or whatever and hugging his wife and stuff. But he is like, okay, well, I have to finish this surgery. Like, I I need to finish. And I thought that that was really, really well done. And something that does kind of translate into the show, like that had very TV show energy to me. But I think the part that we both (laughs) really liked was when Duke and Hawkeye drive away in the same jeep that they took originally to get to the 4077 which is a great circular ending i I legitimately really like that ending that was really good there is a pan to the loudspeaker and then the loudspeaker says you know the movie that we're going to be showing tonight is mash and then it kind of talks about what the film that you just watched is about and goes through all the stars of the film. Yeah. And I thought that that was so cool and interesting to end the movie that way. Yeah, and there are no closing credits at all because it's a 70s movie and they did all of it in the opening credits. So you just hear this loudspeaker go, say the names, no titles or anything. It just shows their faces while he's saying it. And then you cut to black and it's over. And it's like, excellent like what an ending to a movie i love that so much it was so cool you'd never see that again you cannot do that today you cannot hard black anything there's so many people that work on movies now but this was just like well we said the cast so we're done goodbye everybody (laughs) i really liked how meta it was with the loudspeaker announcing the movie about the movie i I loved it the loudspeaker even gives like the premise of the movie it's not just like mash starring so-and-so it's like mash a wacky hijinks filled he (laughs) he says they're hijinks filled and i'm like i don't know about that buddy this was not a very hijinksy movie but I guess it was if you're in that 70s audience and you're like, (laughs) I love these horrible, problematic jokes. When I was watching that last scene, I remembered the one episode where the loudspeaker, was it the last episode of season one? Yes, it was. Where the loudspeaker announced the cast of the show at the end. And I I really liked that. And I wonder if that was also influenced by Oh, definitely. They They were doing the ending of the movie in the uh, ending of season one, which is super cool, just how uh, influenced by the movie the show actually was, even though it's so very different. There are just these certain pockets of like, well, that was a good idea. We should just do that again, mm-hmm. which I I really think is very cool. This is a very cool way to end a movie. And it sounds like we're being like, giving it like a half award of like the ending is the best part of the movie because it's over. But like, really, it's kind of a cool ending for this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, barring the fact that we really didn't care for it, I just I really did think that it was a very creative ending. And I liked it a lot. We I think that I can also call myself kind of like a credits nerd as well. Um, And we 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 do. (laughs) we do like how things are seen on screen and ending and yeah i i thought it was perfect it was very good do you have any final thoughts on this film honestly i think i said everything that i was thinking um i really didn't have too much 
to say about this movie just because I didn't really care for it all that much. I think it was a product of its time. I think it hit at the right time in the right climate. I'm glad it did because it really did produce one of my favorite shows of all times. And, you know, I I love MASH, the TV series. So I do have to put some respect on the name of the MASH film. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Robert Altman. Thank you, Robert Altman. And, uh, you know, I did not enjoy this film at all, particularly because I watched it <laughs> twice. So I really had to, to sit with it for a while. But I, I definitely have respect for it, and I can definitely see why it was considered to be this just massive moment in culture for its time. I just feel like as a modern audience, it doesn't have a lot to offer, but, mm-hmm. you know, still something of value. It's definitely not a valueless movie. So yeah, that's that's all of my my thoughts on the mash movie and i can't wait to talk about the mash book the future seasons and perhaps like after mash and trapper md why not let's cover it all we have 11 seasons and presumably 11 breaks to get through so why not (laughs) we're gonna be covering the entirety of the mash extended universe no hard promises though So, just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob Verbalco for being our technical consultant, Melissa, my sister, for cover art, and of course, our listeners. Thank you so much, and we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. Our music, social media, and contacts for the show are linked in the description, as always. And, until next time, steal a Jeep, and then promptly bring it back when you're ready to go home. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone.